Thank you, worship team. Good morning, saints. Glad you're here today. I'm glad I'm here, too. Somebody said, I'm glad you're here. Are you okay? Are you feeling all right? All right, I have a few things I need to touch on this morning before we uh, jump into the Word of God together, and that's uh, a little bit of a way to go to us as a church, you know. Preachers get up and they always uh, carry on about what's broken and what's not right and all of that, right? Have you ever noticed I do that on occasion? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. And uh, But I got some way to go, some good things that have been happening around the church. But the first thing I want to, well, no, I'm going to save that. Connie, it's your last Sunday with us, right? Is it? Is it? Come clean with me right now. Yeah, okay, so we want to pray over you and send you on your way with the grace of God following you and going in front of you and all of that. So before I do, I just want to mention a few things. So did you mention, oh, Tim, he disappeared. Tim, wherever he went. Did he mention the supplies out there? Is that what I heard? I lost one. He mentioned something came in. Supplies. Those of you who have been supplying for flood victims, not in Houston, but outside of Houston. Good job. How many pallets? Um, Woo! Seven pallets. All right. You know, the scripture tells us to do good deeds, and that's a good deed. So I'm glad we did that. That's very cool. Number one. F&F team, thank you for uh, some of the improvements that have been coming. There's more on the way. Glenn came in the other night. I was hanging out because I'm bored most of my life. So I'm sitting in my office at 9.30 at night, and this guy walks in after the F&F team meeting. Uh, told me some of the good things that will be working on around here to make us look a little better. You might notice my office has parking spaces. It's like a real office, you know. I mean, don't want to get carried away or anything. Soon you'll have a real pastor if you're lucky. Anyway, yeah, be quiet. <laughs> so thank you for that. Those are cool things. By the way, speaking of physical plants, um, I got a picture on my phone, but we don't have it. But some of us contributed to working to one of our sister churches in Ossining, and they have fixed up the front of their sanctuary, and the Spanish congregation has joined with them, and they are humming. So our contribution was worth every bit of our effort. So that was cool. And that matters because the kingdom is bigger than just one church. Right? It's, that's what we sang about this morning. Small groups, I want to thank all the leaders who, uh, and apprentices or however you're teamed up to make it work. Uh, because really, down in the dirt, discipleship has to happen in those contexts, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit later, too. Kids Own Church is up and running. Thank you, uh, Mrs. Lucas, and all those who have jumped in and made it happen. So I'm thankful for that as well. All right, so those are some good things that are going. So now that I'm ready to preach, I'm going to blast you out of your socks. No, I'm kidding. Well, sort of kidding. But... Uh, um, I wanted to speak some life to you because we do know how to do good things. We do. We do know better. I'm walking this way because I want to go over by Connie and uh, have her stand down here at the end. And since I have a microphone, I can move wherever I want. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Got a couple of people I'd like to pray for today. And so I'm going to start with Connie. And why don't you join me? We're going to exercise our priesthood. As we say goodbye to one of our sisters, I was in here last week. Oh, I can't believe I forgot to mention one of the biggest things. 
Our food pantry this last week fed 168 people. And um, what made me think of it was this face right here. Look at this face right here. Because you were in here working, as always. So, and all of those of you who made it happen, that's really cool. I can't remember how many. It was 48 families, something like that. That's a lot of people. And they were afraid of running out of food. So... I have the suspicion that maybe God's in that somehow. And All right, let me just say it. So, like, if you ain't got nothing to do, or maybe you're wasting your time with things you shouldn't be doing, maybe you should jump in and help them do that, because that's a hands-on opportunity. We're hoping eventually our witness and love will be loud enough that people will be attracted to our Savior. Amen? So. All right, let's pray together. God, thank you for our sister Connie and the, and the times that she has invested in this assembly and the sweet words of encouragement and welcome. We commit her to your grace, God, as she leaves us. And, um, Lord, we've had uh, other people come and go, and uh, we're going to miss them, and we miss Connie already. We ask, God, for your angelic protection, for those who are helping her move, God, your favor and grace let any glitches that come up be a source of joy and triumph. Because that can actually happen. Work it through. Bring her there safely. Give her time with her family to speak life to them. And uh, I pray for wisdom for her as well. So, Lord, we commend our sister to your grace. Give her safety. Get her situated in a good, solid assembly of believers that she can be part of and that can love her as well. We commit her to your grace in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. Let me give you a hug. You're going to make me cry. I also want to pray for one other thing, so I hope you're still in praying mode. Let's pray. Lord, our sister Alyssa is out there where hurricanes have hit, and we're asking for safety and for her entire team to be under the control of your spirit. And protected. Lord, I am a firm believer that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who shall be the heirs of salvation. So put them on duty for her, her entire team, that whole race that's happening. Thank you, Lord, for the vision casting you will do into the minds of these young men and women, maybe some not so young men and women, uh, to see the the fields that are white unto harvest. And they're white unto harvest around us sometimes. Sometimes the harvest doesn't want to be harvested, but nevertheless, uh, your kingdom purpose is at stake. Would you lift our eyes up to be able to see that? We pray for your help today. In the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Okay. This morning... Mount Zion, which he loved. What is this old fossil talking about? Anyway, it is old language. And uh, that's why I wanted to start with a way to go this morning, because what I want to talk about now is something that's very dear to my spirit, dear to my heart. Uh, Maybe uh, some might assess me as unspiritual because of what I'm going to say compared to other things. So I'm going to take that risk because, yeah, I think I am. I happen to be privy to a very intensive dialogue within the last few weeks. I was in a different context. Somebody um, was wearing a 
a shirt with a face on it, and the face was reflective of some history, um, history that comes out of kind of rough stories, and people think that that face is cool now because socialism has become chic. But there was someone in the room to whom that face was particularly offensive and just set them off. I mean, literally just set them off. And I listened to at least 15 to 20 minutes of nonstop clarity about who it is you're extolling, what it is you're talking about. Because, you see, if you've lived through the downside of something or your family has experienced something historically, now in the movies it's romanticized. But people who've lived through it know better. They tend to be very passionate about what happened to their family members or friends or nations that saw massive executions and things like that. You can kind of put some of these pieces together. It was one of those, oh, uh, do I stop this conversation? Do I let it finish? I'm not quite sure what to do here. Ever been in one of those? But what happened was, from that, it it struck me the passion that came out of this individual. And then in this last week, no less than three times, passion was manifested about something that I am very passionate about. And so I thought the timing was appropriate. It was providential. I was planning to preach on this anyway, but wham! First, we're in small group. And the issue of... Whether church matters came up. Oh boy. Off I went. I see my sister over there grinning because I'm going to use you. You gave me permission to talk about that. She, she, had, the good, she had the good answers. I'm just saying. Just want to be clear so nobody goes, How come Pastor mentioned you this morning? You need prayer. You know, don't do that. Let her pray for you. Then I go to a funeral this week of a dear friend's parent passed away in a very lively church community. And uh, Pastor Bricker was speaking. Amen. You remember him? Yes. And this guy went off on Christ, said, I will build my church. Not I will build my social club. Not I will build my parachurch ministry. I will build my church. And I went, ooh, maybe the Holy Spirit's telling me something. Or giving me an amen. And I think so. So the passage we want to look at today is in your, um, your Bible there in the seat. If you want to follow along so that you know I'm not making it up. It's Psalm 122. If you want, you may have it. It's page 629. And why I am uh, parking here is my title. Anybody figure out what it's saying? My wife said, you are going to have to be very clear about this. And she's right. My wife is always right. I like being happily married. What's that? Oh, that is why, she says. Okay. And uh, although that's not totally true, we're not, none of us are always right. 
Mount Zion, which he loved. What is he talking about? Mount Zion, which he loved. It should be kind of obvious that uh, the Old Testament citadel, Zion, was up on a mountain, right? Looks like this. This is what it looks like today, the Temple Mount. You can almost get the picture of going up to the house of the Lord. That's quite a climb, right? Going up to Mount Zion. Zion was the citadel, but it was also another name for Jerusalem, which is also another name for the temple location, the center of Jewish worship. It's kind of like if you were to say today, oh, I'm going to Rome. What do you mean you're going to Rome? Really? Aren't there two options? Really? When you think about going to Rome, one is I'm going to tour and see the Colosseum where all those people got killed. You know, I want to see the sights. Or I'm going to the Vatican City because we use the word Rome synonymously, with you will, if you will, as the head of the Roman Catholic Church, right? We use it synonymously. And that's how the Bible uses the word Zion relating to the worship of God as a community. It's the Old Testament church. Everybody with me? That's what it's saying. So I want you to turn with me to Psalm 122, a song of ascents written by David. I picked this because if you're in the daily Bible, study Bible, and you're up to speed... You're here. You've you've passed this already, I believe. And by the way, when um, Pastor Tim said, if you're in the Daily Bible, you should be here. And if you're not there, don't stop anyway. Even if you're back three months, keep going. Everybody, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen, Pastor John. Okay. So excited. Okay. Psalm 122, the Song of Ascents. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Everybody in your household woke up with that on their lips this morning, right? I was glad that dad got me out of bed to go to the house. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, that is built as a city that is compact together. Isn't that neat language? You know what that word there means? Compact together, coupled. Magically charmed is one interpretation of the word. We're all happy, linked together. It would take magic sometimes, right? Magically charmed. Here's another uh, definition. They're in league. The Greek translation in the Septuagint version of this is in partnership. Tightly packed together, tight-knit partnership. We know who we are and why we're together. A city that is compact together, to which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord. That's an ordinance in Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. It's an ordinance for the people of God. Go give him glory. For there thrones were set for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace be within you. Oh, so be it. 
For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Did you read that last one again? For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your good. Some of us have been swayed or damaged by um, certain theological emphases on the restoration of Israel literally and all of that. And all of that's in the future. God's got something in mind. But when we're so parked on that, we miss the fact that there's an application for the people of God now. We miss the blessing of this whole idea. Zion, whom he loves. By the way, where I stole that title, it comes right out of Psalm 78. Here's what it says. God chose, he, Jehovah, chose the tribe of Judah to lead the people of Israel. Mount Zion, which he loved. Because Mount Zion represents the Old Testament church. And he loves the church. The apple of his eye. I've said it before, God's plan in the world is the church. That's plan A. The church's job is to plant missions, which is planting the church. So the first job of the church is missions. The first job of missions is what? The church. Establishing the church. And it'll make sense why as we move along. And I know a million questions and weird pictures are in your mind because some of us have had such odd interactions with the church. And we're going, hmm, rightfully so. Let us go to the house of the Lord, Beth Israel, the house of Israel, the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. The New Testament said it's the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And he's talking about a community. There's a spiritual dimension that has to be brought down into our shoe leather. So let me jump ahead. If you're following in the notes, here's what we're trying to look at. One, understand the language. Jerusalem and the house of the Lord, the house of God, is referring for our context to the church. The people of God, the community of the saints. And that's what we want to press into. So try to follow along with me and make the jump from Old Testament to New Testament because I'm trying to make it as clear as I can. Okay, so when I say Zion, when we sing, I have it here somewhere. We were singing some. I love thy kingdom, Lord, right? I love thy church, O God. Sure as thy truth shall last, to Zion shall be given. To Zion shall... They're not talking about gravel up on the top of that mountain. To Zion shall be given. The brightest glories earth can yield and brighter bliss of heaven. That's what God has in mind. To build his church. So it says in the New Testament that you have come to Mount Zion. You see how the New Testament writers steal the language? They're using it, right? So Hako did not make this up. Everybody okay with that? If not, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Heavenly Jerusalem, myriads of angels, the general assembly, the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, firstborn being Jesus, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men and women made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. What's involved in the people of God? What Zion? It's all of that reality that one day we're going to see with our very own eyes. It's all going to become crystal clear. Universal church. 
And I understand that. But there are people who will say, well, all of the language of the New Testament and Old Testament is talking about the universal church, that church out there. But can I just say that if there's no church down here, how will I ever be part of the church out there? So there's a reason I am pushing on this, because I do get weary. I want to use the right language here. I get weary of the blasphemies that Christians speak about the church all the time. Did you hear what I said? Blasphemies. Because it's Mount Zion whom he loves. Whom he loves. So we want to push back on wrong thinking, on deceptions, things that confuse us. I love thy kingdom, Lord. Let me read that. I think we sang it this morning. Just two of the verses. You found extra verses, Mike. That was cool. I hadn't seen those before. I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode. The church, our blessed Redeemer, saved with his own precious blood. I love thy church, O God, her walls before thee stand, dear as the apple of thine eye and graven on thy hand. Get that language of the personal preciousness of the church. Now, by the way, when it talks about her walls, we're not talking about these walls. You understand, this building could burn to the ground. The church would continue. Okay? Some people might be, may, may be unhappy that it burned to the ground and go elsewhere, but the church is still here. We'll be meeting in ashes, <laughs> having a little kumbaya session, you know. <laughs> Lord, give us someplace else. You know, where do we go from here? But the church continues, right? So I love that. Understand the language. That's what we're talking about. That part's simple. Let me move on to part two. Understand the vision. Inreach and outreach. God has put together his people for two reasons. Inreach and outreach. We'll unpack that in a minute. But let me start with this basic concept. I rejoiced. I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. There was a brother used to worship with us. He'd go, yay! Remember that? So when we go to worship, is that your response? Yay? Is it basically... Look, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty too much. The fact is, I, I look forward to being in the assembly of believers. If I'm away, I look forward to dropping in on some other assembly. People, oh, well, that guy just isn't really exciting. You're right, he wasn't. But you know what? There's always something to learn. I came away from this service this last week and heard some things. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. There's, I turned to my wife. There's always something to learn. Sometimes it's what not to do. And other times, it's things that you should do. But there's always something to learn. Editorial comment. One of the most dangerous attitudes in this room is, I already know all this. And I can tell by watching, no, you don't. You don't really know it. Oh, you know it here, but you don't really know it. You follow what I'm saying? Okay, dangerous attitude. Repent of that. You can. He'll help you. 
We are standing among the saints. Yay! I can't wait to do it. I love your kingdom, Lord. Anybody remember a while back we were passing these out like hotcakes? And we should probably get some more. This is I Am a Church Member, Tom Rayner, discovering the attitude that makes a difference. Probably it should be, yikes, I am a church member. <laughs> How did I get here, right? <laughs> he was talking, and I read this a while back, so just bear with me uh, for a minute. He's talking about us losing the millennial generation, those born between 80 and 2000. We've all but lost that generation, and he's right. He's right, because we are talking 50s language, and they're going, who are you? We can blame it on secular culture. We often do. We can blame it on godless politics of our nation. We do that as well. We can even blame it on the churches, those hypocritical members and the uncaring pastors. (laughs) Lots of Christians are doing that. But I am proposing that we who are church members, or let's say we say we're part of the universal church, let me spread it out a little bit, need to look in the mirror I am suggesting that congregations across America are weak because many of us church members have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Some of what Kathy was mentioning about the people in her group. They're not perfect. They don't have it all together. But they love one another. They're praying for her. That's where it's at. We join our churches expecting others to serve us, to feed us, care for us. We don't like the hypocrites in the church, but we fail to see our own hypocrisies. Ouch! You want to hear a common preacher complaint? How come I keep having the Holy Spirit bust the crud out of me, left and right, and they're all happily going along? You know, I keep getting worked over. With someone back there is cheerleading, I think. But it's like, you know, God's preparing you. Here's my question. I've said this before. When have you been worked over? I don't know how we can walk through this life and not be worked over. I'm looking at broken people around me all the time. I'm going, how do we do something about this? How can I not be worked over? I don't get it. God did not give us local churches to become country clubs where membership means we have privileges and perks. He placed us in churches to serve, to care for others, to pray for leaders, to learn, to teach, to give, and in some cases to die for the sake of the gospel, which I would consider a privilege still. Not that I want to. I'm saying it would be a privilege. Many churches are weak because we have members who have turned the meaning of membership upside down. I would like to say he understated it. We haven't just turned it upside down. We have debased, ignored, and blasphemed who the church of the living God is. We're not great. We're not all together. We're a bunch of broken sinners that have been redeemed by grace, and we're on a journey to become more and more like Jesus Christ. If you're sitting here today and thinking, who are these Christian peoples? Bunch of losers. Without Jesus. Oh, I don't like that. Well, when the light comes on, you know it's true. I know I was. Broken, sinful, naughty, naughty people. 
but Jesus turns us around. That's where the tribes go up. Zion packed together. The tribes of the Lord, they go up, first of all, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. That's our duty. If nothing else, I want to go and worship God. I don't know about you, I like worshiping. I'm a little weird that way. And I'm going to leave that alone. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to leave that alone for now. I want to read from... Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Between the death of Christ and the last day, it is only by a gracious anticipation of last things that Christians are privileged, privileged, did you hear that? To live in visible fellowship with other Christians. It is by the grace of God that a congregation is permitted to gather visibly in this world, to share God's word and sacrament. Not all Christians receive this blessing. The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone. They know that visible fellowship is a blessing. They remember, as the psalmist did, how they went with the multitude to the house of God, with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Isn't that great stuff? The exiled disciple of the Lord, John the Apocalypse... John of the Apocalypse, celebrates the loneliness of Patmos in heavenly worship with his congregations. Get this, in the spirit on the Lord's day, he sees the seven candlesticks, his congregations, the seven stars, the angels of the congregation. You know you got an angel? Yikes. And in the midst and above it all, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, in all the splendor of his resurrection, he strengthens and fortifies John by his word. This is the heavenly fellowship shared by the exile on the day of his Lord's resurrection. The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. I know that sometimes we encounter Christians that are not always a source of incomparable joy. And we walk away like, whew, there's an hour I can't get back, you know. But brothers and sisters, I can't tell you how many times I have been with somebody when they have spoken under the influence of the Spirit and life has flooded into my dying person. We've come away many times and said, that was like normal, real fellowship like Christians. Wow! And it happens. And that's what we want. We don't want to just have meetings, our our small groups. We we don't want to just tick off, okay, we went through, you know, the 2-7 series, bingy, 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 bingy. We memorized these five verses. Everybody left exactly the same. Boring Christians, don't care, no new motivation, no agitation in spirit, no desire. Oh, you know what, my neighbor, you've placed them in my life for a reason. That person at work that's been talking to me, holy cow, I see it now. That's what I want, right? That's what we want. So why come to church? Why do people come to church? I mean, I feel like sometimes we're trying to sell it, you know what I mean? Trying to sell it. Why bother? Why do people come to church? Well, some people come because it's their duty. Got to do it. 
My mother, who's been long gone and is resting in glory, will hate me if I don't go to church every Sunday. Not a good motive. I have to maintain my image, after all. I am an upstanding figure in the community. I haven't met too many of those, actually. But anyway, I'm looking for a girlfriend. That's a good reason to go to church. Actually, to be honest, that's not a half-bad reason. But <laughs> trying to talk one of my own relatives into that. Anyway, <laughs> you need a good... I know a good place to look for... Anyway, or maybe you're here for a handout or what you can get or how you can take advantage. I don't know. People come for all kinds of reasons. Or you can come for the biblical reasons. Refreshment, empowerment, to give God the glory that is due him. Knowledge and tools for living that actually make a difference in the way your life is going to go. I'm going to tell you everything I've learned that made my life work, I got out of Christianity. I got it out of the church, out of the the people who serve the church, the leaders and the writers and whoever it might happen to be. They fed my spirit and gave me guidance. Made all the difference. You know, to honor God and to serve. Jesus said, and we're not talking about this today because I'm going to lean into this in the weeks ahead, about servanthood and leadership because we desperately need leadership. We've got two candidates for a deacon in the bulletin and we haven't gotten cranked up yet, but it's a tough job to find the right leaders. But part of leadership, according to Jesus, was I'm among you as he who, anybody remember? Serves. As he who serves. He who serves leads. If I come to church on a Sunday morning not preoccupied with, well, who's stroking me today? Who's, who's paying attention to me? Well, what, did they get what I did wanted done right? Oh, they didn't get, oh, uh, if I've come rather... Who can I serve? Who can I minister to? Who can I encourage today? Can I speak life to somebody who's hurting? It makes all the difference in the world. So there's a vision of inreach. By the way, everything I just mentioned is inreach. It blesses us. Church should, the kingdom of God in the church, Zion, should bless its people. There's a profound idea. When? That's what I want. But there are people who are not yet part of this flock. Let me read it to you from the Old Testament. I I love the Old Testament. I know you guys think I'm weird, and you're right. But here it is. Watch this one. It will come about in all the revival preachers back in the uh, days of Jonathan Edwards. They looked at passages like this as pictures of the church's mission. It will come about in the last days. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills. The people's, who? Hagoyim, the nations, the outsiders will stream to it. And many nations will come and say, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us about his ways, that we may walk in his paths. It works. It straightens out your life. We need his truth. We need to be transformed. Oh my gosh, I could get riled up about this, but I won't. For the from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Can you see the picture? This is not talking about 
trying to go to physical war for Jerusalem so we can set up a church on the mount. It's the people of God. Everywhere that the saints meet, across the globe, in every time zone, every hemisphere, when the saints gather, Zion is there. And anyone who says, let's go up to the house of the Lord, that's where he is. And so we want those places blessed. People will come. And from Zion, the word of the Lord will go out. Oh, Zion, haste. Anybody remember that? Oh, Zion, haste, thy mission high fulfilling to tell to all the world that God is light. That he who made all nations is not willing. One soul should perish lost in shades of night. Zion, fulfill your mission. If you get on the mission, you'll stop bickering with each other and you'll make it happen because the enemy's out there. We get it. People will come. You know what? I thought about this quite a bit. Um, did, I, did I read the next verse? Yeah. I love thy kingdom, Lord, number three. For her... My, oh, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry. When I was up north, we, uh, we hosted a Franklin Graham Festival. Packed out the SUNY gymnasium, thousands of people, thousands of people, thousands. Church people teaming up together to win people to Christ and see people invited to know Jesus as Savior. Who would ever say that's a bad thing? That's a great thing. But here's the second part of it. Who's going to do all the heavy lifting, all the hard work of getting those new baby disciples on the road to discipleship? Because the Franklin Graham Festival leaves town. Thank God they do team up with churches, and we were one of them, and we tried to follow up with some, okay? But little baby Christians, you know, they erp on their clothes, and I don't mean physically, although depending on where they're coming from, it might even be that. And it's just in the dirt work, right? My new Christian class together, right? It's work, isn't it? Sticking with it, getting my nose back in the... We have a great class, by the way. We do. We have a great class. And we're down in the dirt with what, what people have to wrestle with. And it's heavy lifting like that that the church is going to do, not some parachurch group. It's the church. One of these days, I would love to show uh, Bill Heibel's video, the, the local church is the hope of the world. Can't even talk about it without losing it because of the fact that there's boots on the ground with Zion, with local churches. There's boots on the ground. If we're engaged, if we're on task, if we're doing in-reach and outreach, which is the job of the church, the purpose. So the last thing we need to look at is this, and I'm going to forestall most of this for later when I get to it, and that is the need. You've got to understand the language, you've got to understand the vision that God has for his church, and you have to understand the need. The need will always be need for servants and shepherds. Those of you who step up, Especially during the season. I think about the last four years you've been putting up with me. And, uh, and, and some of the difficulties we've been through, 
people stepping up to do like what was called junior church, kids zone, whatever, you know, things that have to be done. Thank you for staying at your post. Can I just say that? Way to go. But the church is always, always going to be in need of two things, servants to make it happen and also shepherds, leaders. That's the word I'm using for leaders to guide us into the future. We'll be talking about that a little bit, but these hymns that we were singing, I love thy kingdom, Lord. Rise up, O church of God. Anybody remember that? It used to be, O rise up, O men of God, when we were less politically correct. That's what it was. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the king of kings. Rise up, O church of God. His kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and the night of wrong. Rise up, sons of God. The church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task. Rise up and make her great. The song we sang, I Love Thy Kingdom, Lord, has one verse, verse 3. For her my tears shall fall, for her my prayers ascend, to her my cares and toils be given till toils and cares shall end. Seriously? Tears? Toil? Well, that's what it says. You remember when... Paul writes to healthy marriages. He's speaking how to infuse health into a marriage. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I've been in my business now 45 years. For 43 at least, I have mostly consecrated myself to the building of Zion. I'm not an evangelist. I've done the work of an evangelist. I, I, it's always fun to lead people to Jesus. It's not my job only, friends. But the thing that weighs on me is if there aren't boots on the ground, if there isn't Zion alive in Christ and healthy a lot fewer are going to be met with Jesus and built up in Jesus than if I'm doing it all by myself. So it has been my passion for 44 years to build the church and make her as healthy and vibrant as possibly can be. I don't know what your background is. This is where we end up with a catch-22. I love thy kingdom, Lord. Zion, whom he loves. It's his business. But today we're filled with people in our community who are the nuns. You know what the nuns are. They have no religious affiliation, aren't interested in it either. Uh, the, the church is irrelevant to them. It's kind of a joke. <laughs> yeah, I get they're out there. That's fine. And then there's, this is the fun one, the duns. You know who the Duns are? I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I've had enough crud. I've had enough nastiness. I've had enough of this, enough of that. I'm just done. 
It creates a quandary even in my spirit because I'm radically committed and I'm a nutcase on this. I always try to bring healing to that person and direct them back. Well, then find an assembly where you can be real and it can work for you. But do something because Zion is the place where the action really is. Scattered, wandering, lone ranger Christians don't accomplish a whole lot. I'll be blunt. And I have dear friends who have ended up in the done category, and it breaks my heart. And I totally understand why. I totally understand. I don't even have a rebuke for them anymore. I don't. But it can be different. So I don't know what's happened. You know, my, one of my favorite stories, you know. Oh, yeah. Mr. Murphy, he served in the church for 52 years, and then something happened. Usually it's a lot shorter than that. Something happened. Yeah, something happened. Somebody sinned against him, and he chose to react sinfully and didn't get it fixed. And so he's off. He's done. You can end up that way. Easy to do. Just don't. (laughs) Why do we have this liberty, we feel, to just tear down? Have you noticed... I do not tear down other churches. I have better things to do. Sometimes I actually pray for my brothers and sisters who are ministering in other churches because they're good soldiers of the Lord Jesus. So churches that waste their time, Christians, pastors that waste their time, yip, 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 they don't do this right. and They don't, oh, go do something right yourself. And why don't you ignore it? If it's a dangerous group, I'll tell you that. If it's a cult, I'll tell you that. But here's one of the greatest verses in the New Testament, and it's amazing how little application people make. You don't need that anymore. How's that? Do you remember when Saul got knocked down by a vision? What did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? There's the average Christian today. Who are you, Lord? (laughs) You're persecuting me. Would you mind stopping? Stop tearing down and try to build up. Now, I'm preaching hard because some of this preaching is going right here. Men and women who love Zion and build her up have the mind of Christ because it's Zion whom he loves. Let me say what I don't mean and what I do mean. I don't mean like the old days where people served and worked themselves to death in the church. Every time the doors were open, the place was... I'm not looking for anybody to kill themselves like that. That's just not healthy. I'm telling you, it wasn't healthy. It was not healthy. I'm not looking for that. I do mean that every believer has some gifting, some ability that they can contribute to make the kingdom do well in their local Zion. Have you found your slot? Find it. I have to make a statement, but I'm going to give my confession first. Okay? My confession is... I got spiritually rebuked, and nobody had to do it. The Holy Spirit nailed me. I hate when that happens. 
There are people who've been in my mentoring groups and other smaller groups, they have heard me wrestle with, I call it death speak, you know, frustration. Because I'll be honest, when I came to Harmony, this church was pretty broken. Can I be candid? It was pretty broken. We are better off than we were. Everybody said, amen. Are we completely healthy yet? Not yet. And what was happening with me, I don't think anybody else in the room would ever do this, but what was happening with me, I was parking on everything that's still broken. Nobody else ever does that, right? No, this is no good. This isn't right. This is, stop smiling at me, Derek. And, uh, and one day, the Spirit just nailed me. Can I be transparent with you? It's like, you know... In the old days, the people who were seeking after God with all their heart, they went to monasteries. And sometimes the monks took vows of poverty, and sometimes they took vows of silence. I prayed about it. God said, silence will not work in your job right now. But he did say, you could make a commitment to refuse to death speak. To refuse. Now, by the way, most of you have never heard it. It's only my inside crowd that I've corrupted. (laughs) I have to pray them back to sanity. But the Spirit broke something in me. One day I was talking with um, my consultant friend, who we've become friends over in California, and he was telling about another brother who had come back from Russia, where the church... There is a church in Russia, you know, behind what was once the communist line, the, the Iron Curtain. But it is a, if you've been over there at times, it's a very legalistic environment. And as this brother came back, he was talking with Dennis, and he said, you know, Dennis, the church in Russia is ugly. It's ugly. But it is the bride of Christ. And it broke me. When I heard that, it broke me. I went, oh my goodness. Zion is the apple of his eye. I want to build it up. And I don't want to be part of the problem. Now everybody's got ammunition when things start going wrong. Yeah, it's him. Can I just be clear on one statement? I just want to make this statement. You won't be able to build harmony into great health to the glory of God with the minuscule level of love that you have for her. This ministry, this church, is at the bottom of everyone's priority bucket. That's what I have observed for four years. Please prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong. We can do it. We know how. We have to choose to love Zion the way God loves Zion. Stop putting it last. Stop neglecting my duties as a worshiper, as a servant, whatever it might happen to be. Start putting him in front. Those songs, uh, um, Rise Up, O Church of God, and all of that, make me think of the commitment at the end of this book. He talks about becoming a church member and what I'm committing to. I just wanted to read one thing to you if I could. If I can find it, I hate when that happens. Here it is, Sixth Pledge. I'm a church member. Membership. And by the way, 
I'm, I'm not on the political side of membership, like formally joining the church. You're part of the body if you're born again, all right? If you're part of the body if you're born again. And if you're here, this is the Zion section you're in. So make it work. This membership is a gift. When I received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I became a part of the body of Christ. I soon thereafter identified with that body. I was baptized. Now I am, listen to this, humbled and honored to serve and to love others in our church. I pray that I will never take my membership for granted, but see it as a gift and an opportunity, get this, to serve others and to be part of something. Here's the center idea. Be part of something greater, much greater than any one person or member. Do you realize the church is much greater? The church is going to exist. If this one gets wiped off the map, the church will continue. I want to contribute to the church because it's going to last. And it's greater than any of us individually. And I understand I desire earnestly to see prevailing churches, healthy assemblies. There was an assembly back where I used to live that, frankly, their history was so horrendous, so bad, that I suggested they should put a sign outside their church that said, we apologize to the community for our failure to model Christianity. Please forgive us. And then they should have shut the doors and gone home. That's how bad it was. But I believe God wants to restore. So if this is not the place where you can get your hands dirty, then go find a church that you can get your hands dirty. Let me encourage you to do that. I'm not offended. Really. But if this is the place you feel is Zion for you, then we need to rise up and make her great, like the song says. So would you stand with me as we close in prayer? And my trust today is that no one here feels beat up, but rather called up. Because you can't possibly be any more beat up than I've been. (laughs) When the Spirit takes you to task and takes you out behind the woodshed, it ain't fun. But it's good, and it's worth it. Anybody want to say amen to that? (laughs) Pastor John, just don't pray for that for us. Okay, so... (laughs) Father in heaven, thank you for your people. Thank you for, for the winning ways, the things that, have, that can be done, that we know how to put our hands to, that work, that give you glory, that bless other fellowships even. Bless people down in the Houston area. Serve those outside of our immediate circle. But also those within our assembly that are ministering to one another, praying for one another, challenging, moving them closer to a tight relationship with Jesus, which is what every one of us needs, whether we understand that or not. That's what we need. And so, Lord, we pray that your assembly would be vitalized, empowered, would be energized by your Holy Spirit. We desperately need your Spirit to show up. And, Lord, where we are lacking in our love and commitment, and frankly, the word sacrifice doesn't come up very much, speak to us and help us obey. Not to be foolishly killing ourselves, but to honor you with our time, talent, treasures, our energies, our prayers. 
help us build your kingdom, bring souls into your family, and make them new and transformed. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be exalted, and the nations will flow to it. And the word of the Lord will go out from Zion. Let your word go out from Zion right here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen.